0: Uh, let's see, we'll go to Luke 18 Starting with verse 35 You can also go to Matthew 20, 29 Or Mark 10, 38 it's been written in three of the Gospels A little story I want to share with you this morning Written in three of the Gospels um, And I'll try and cover all three um, As we walk through this together Father, let's pray real quick Father, we thank you for your presence in this place this morning And would you tune our ears to your voice? And Father, as we just confess with our mouth, may it be true with our hearts, that you are King, Lord, and Master. And whatever you ask of us this morning, we would be willing to do. Would you allow us to be willing, make us willing to trust you? And understand, if you ask anything of us, It is with our best in mind. For you love us more than anybody's ever loved us before. And you've never done anything that would cause us not to trust you. Father, we bless you this morning. Speak to us. And remove me, Father, that I would not be, uh, just allow me to be a vessel for you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the story. Um, it's, if you look at where it sets in Scripture, it sets just before Jesus is going to head back to uh, Jerusalem for the Passover. So these are last days for him. His disciples are with him. Um, so it's just before Easter and that kind of celebration. And so I uh, thought it would be appropriate to look at this this morning. Luke starting uh, 18, starting with verse 35, says, As Jesus approached Jericho... A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led uh, the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to, to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. It's a great passage. As Jesus was approaching Jericho, if you look at the three Gospels, it's funny because Luke says that He was approaching Jericho. Matthew says he was leaving Jericho. And uh, Mark says as he came near Jericho. So you got three different things. It it doesn't matter. It's all in the same place. So we don't know whether he was leaving old Jericho and entering new Jericho, because in that time there were those two. Or if he was, um, you know, which way he was going on the road, we don't know, okay? Because they all record something different, but it doesn't contradict It puts it all in the same place. He was outside the gates of Jericho, and he encounters a blind man. Now, why would the blind man be by the gate of Jericho? He was begging, but why would he pick that spot? Because it was one of the most populated travel spots he could be. And as a blind man who was basically had been found his life to be as a beggar by the road, trying to earn money, trying to get people to give to him, and give money to him. Hey, Tim. What's up, bud? Trying to give money to him. Uh, he would have been in that place. Okay, This would have been the prime place for him to be, to earn money, to, to accumulate wealth. Okay, And if you look at these passages, um, Luke tells us there was a blind man, and Mark tells us there were two blind men. Okay, Most scholars believe that there were probably two blind men But there was just, this one we're talking about, Bartimaeus was probably the spokesman of the two. There may have been even more. But he was there begging by the city gate. A place where everybody would have walked by. Large crowds, okay. It says when he heard a large crowd going by, he asked what was happening. I want you to close your eyes this morning. Everybody close your eyes real quick. What would it have been like in that day, or for you, to try and figure out what's going on, and you can't see anything? All you got is your ears, and you're listening for what's going on. And all your information is coming to you through your ears. You can open your eyes. Everything this blind man got, he got through his ears. He sat by the roadside every day and listened and listened and listened. And on this day, every time he would hear a large noise gathering, a crowd gathering, it was a time for him to stand up, okay? There's money-making time, you know what I'm saying? So his ears were very tuned to what was going on. He could tell, okay? A large crowd's gathering. So, And he's like, what's happening? What, you know, no, this is not a special day. What's happening? And they told him. Jesus of Nazareth is going by. And the scripture says, um, he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When you look at The way this is written, it says he called out or he implored Jesus, son of David. Now, that that phrase tells us that he already knew who Jesus was. Okay, it's a confession he's making. Jesus, son of David. It's him saying, I understand that this is the Messiah passing me by, coming my way. That statement carries a ton of weight because it's saying that he realized exactly who Jesus was. And so, you know, sitting by the gate day after day after day, and the information he's gathered, he's gathered by listening to people going on the road. And on that road, everything was being said about Jesus. He had to have heard the Jews talking about him the Jewish leaders, other people. What were they saying? He heard everybody saying something different about Jesus. Does that relate to you today? We live in a world that everybody is saying something about Jesus. But this guy found the truth and chose to believe. Who Jesus really was. And he says. He says he called out. To Jesus. And the people in the beginning. Or the throng that was around him. These are the people heading to the Passover. With Jesus. Very large crowd. And they told him to shut up. Be quiet. Oh I'm not supposed to say the S word. Kids are gone aren't they? Yep, sorry. They told him to be quiet. And what does it say he did? He shouted all the more. On this day, nothing would keep this man from Jesus. Nothing would keep this man from Jesus. He shouted. I'm not talking about, hey, Jesus. I'm talking about this man screaming at the top of his lungs. He's becoming a nuisance. That's why they told him to be quiet. Dignity, he set it to the side. Etiquette, he set it to the side. I've got to get his attention. Because more than money, my hope of my life changing and of me being healed is walking by me. And he's calling out to the only one he knew that could rescue him from his blindness. From the life he was trapped in. What would you have been willing to do on that day if you had been Bartimaeus? Would you have let him pass you by? I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to make an issue of myself. Are you to stuck it all out like Bartimaeus did and shout it all the more? Because I have to get Jesus' attention on that day. Nothing was going to keep him from Jesus' attention. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like in your life today that you're trying your best to get Jesus' attention? And some days you just don't seem to feel like you do it. You ever been there? Walk through that this week, to be honest with you. I know many of us had a tough week this week. just life twisting in a way to where you, you feel like you're calling out and begging for Jesus' attention. I was reminded as I prepared for this this morning, you don't have to compete for Jesus' attention. You have his attention. He is intimately attentive to you and I. Concerned with every detail, doesn't miss a thing. I love Psalm one thirty nine because it tells us, "So if you have searched me, Lord, you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar." You discern my going out my lying down, and you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn or if I settle on the far side of the sea, Even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Does he know me? Is he attentive to me? You bet he is. He loves me. In ways I can't even explain. Unfailing. Never misses a detail. Never wrings his hands over my issues because he is more than able to handle everything that I encounter he's attentive, he's always near he is present in my life and in this place, do, you, do we believe that? man if we believe that if we really believe that life will change our place will change we forget all too often because we focus on the circumstances around us and lose our focus from the one who continues to pursue us and lavish himself on us it says jesus summoned the man to him they told him to be quiet and jesus said no jesus heard the man calling he recognizes faith And he heard the man call and he said, bring him to me. And I believe it's in Mark's gospel. When Mark records it, it says, when he called him to him, he said, he threw off his cloak and he ran to Jesus. A blind man. Just took off running in that direction. Because the one who could... rescue him was calling and he ran in that direction and Jesus said what do you want me to do for you that's my question for us today we've all come today and we're all in different places all with different issues what do you need Jesus to do for you today He knows you. He's waiting for you to ask. He's waiting for you to step out in faith as this man did. And trust him. With whatever it is you're wrestling with. With whatever it is that's causing you to struggle in your relationship with the Lord. Whatever it is that may be keeping you from Jesus today. He's asking you to trust him with it. I love the way this man responds. It says, Lord, I want to see. You know, what would you have asked for? If you'd have been a blind man in that day, what would you have asked for? Lord, I want a donkey. Lord, I need a place you know, to stay, no. His greatest need, the thing he needed more than most, was he needed to see. And that's what he asked Jesus for. And Jesus says, "Wasn't his touch?" Of course, in uh, one of the other gospels, it says that Jesus touched his eyes and he regained his sight. But it was his faith in knowing who Jesus was, believing who Jesus was. He said, "Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you." You know, we often hear this phrase that seeing is believing. It's not. Believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. Because there are many things. Faith is things hoped for yet unseen. And we walk by faith and not by sight. What do you need to believe Jesus for today in your life? What do I need to believe Jesus for today in my life? It says that immediately he received his sight and ran home and told his family everything that had happened. No. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus. When I was in Africa, the, the phrase that made the difference as we shared the gospel with uh, young people in Africa is Salam Rahu Jesu Suhela Are you willing to follow after Jesus alone? Not follow after Jesus and what I want or follow after Jesus and what and, and still play the witness doctor game. Or follow after Jesus and do some other things. And It was, are you willing to follow after Jesus alone? And I love the, the picture of this man's life because he abandoned everything. To follow after Jesus. And he said he followed after him praising God. We've talked about worship before, and when Jesus reveals himself to us, it demands a response. And here's another picture of where this comes true, because Jesus reveals to him another side of himself, and he says his response is a worship response. He followed after Jesus, praising God. You know, I think so often when we share the gospel in our church today, we don't do justice to what we need to. Because as I was just praying through this, the Lord kept taking me back to the fact that so often we ask people to follow after somebody they don't really know. You know, so often when we share the gospel, we're like, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. And we get them to Jesus, we kind of leave them there. And we don't um, help them get to know they their, the one that we've asked them to follow. Do you follow after somebody you don't know? Not really. A lot of us grew up in church. We've learned things about Jesus. This man had heard and he believed, Jesus, son of David, I know you're the Messiah. Lord, Master, have mercy on me. And he followed after him. And we continue, you know, we, we say salvation's free, and it is, because we do nothing to gain it, nothing to earn it. wasn't wasn't based on anything I did, okay? I couldn't have been better, made myself better, acted better, done anything to earn God's right standing other than just respond to what he did for me by believing and trusting him. But you know what? I... I Where where it just hit me was in this man's life because he followed him and abandoned everything else. So did the disciples. You look through the New Testament. When people responded to him, that's what he did. Abandoned everything took off after Jesus. Yeah, salvation's free, but you know what? I think we need to remember what Jesus is after when we come to a relationship with him. He is Lord. He is Master. And if we're not in a place where we want to respond to that, we want Him to call the shots in our life, we want to grow in our understanding of Him where He becomes Lord and Master of our life, then maybe we're not ready. Maybe we need to wait a little longer, learn a little more, learn that we can trust Him. I think we do a disservice to people sometimes when we rush them to a point of decision and they don't understand the decision they making. So what we do is we allow them, we pronounce them as believers. You've come to Jesus. And we let them think that they can live like they want to live. And that's not what he's asking. What do you want Jesus to do for you today? What do you need Jesus to do in your life today? frown frowning please it's a great question because he's attentive he knows he'll meet you in that place and according to his way his plan he'll meet you in that place and do what he desires to do in answer to your question do you trust him Let me give you just a few things real quick. y'all get so serious around so much. Uh, first thing I'd say to you this morning, just uh, remember I'll give you four things just so as you can hang on to them and remember them four things Jesus remember that Jesus is attentive he's listening. He's attentive. He's not busy somewhere else. Remember the old country song, God, you must be busy? Ever heard that country song? He's not too busy for you. He's not paying attention to somebody else that he's missed your agenda, your circumstances. And he's fully capable of meeting you in those circumstances and walking you through with your best in the outcome he's asking you to respond by faith would you be willing to set aside whatever is keeping you from Jesus today and respond in faith to who he is and what he desires to do in your life number three would you be honest with God today would you tell him what you need Would you tell him what you need and would you trust him to meet you in that place? And the last thing, would you follow after him and praise him? Would you be willing to live like you were born again to live? Would you be willing to live like you were born again to live? We've had a great time on Wednesday night talking about the Red Sea Rules. And one of the things, uh, we're, we're going to move on to another series called um, Knowing, uh, The God You Can Know by Dan DeHaan. But one of the things we've talked about in there is that um, God's calling us to live a life and live in a reality of who he has made us to be, born again live like we are born again to live living in a much greater reality than um, what many of us have settled to live okay I'm just burdened guys that we have accepted a level of life far below what God wants us to live burden that we say to ourselves every day that we'll sin every day and I have not mastered this yet but I know I strive not to and I don't get up every day thinking I'm going to sin I get up every day saying God with your presence in my life I have the ability not to do that today I have the ability to live this day just like you want me to live. That every temptation will come with a way of escape. He will not tempt me more than what I can handle, beyond what I can handle, what I can manage. I'm not going to be overwhelmed by it. He's given me everything I need to say no to all ungodliness. He's given me everything I need for life and godliness. His spirit lives in me. You know what? Mark will never get that done. Mark will never get that done. But Jesus living in my skin doesn't struggle with it. I just have to die to myself every day. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. And walk in faith. Believe and trust him. And it's going to pull us to a life greater than what we've experienced. We'll see God do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. I'm hungry, guys. I'm hungry to see people come to Jesus. I'm hungry to walk in a life that every day I see God do things that I can't explain. I've shared with those people this week, and I've been frustrated because either they didn't respond, or they were already believers. And I'm like, why do I keep running into people that already have... Relationship with Jesus. God, take me to people that need to hear. I'm hungry. Are you hungry? That's what I want God to do in my life. Take me deeper, Lord. Let me pray.